In a world of podcasts about movies, sci-fi, TV, and podcasts about sci-fi, TV, and movies, two women chose to add their voices to the fray. Two sisters. One woman was willing to go to any length to explain away plot holes and bad pacing. I don't think, first of all, much like the entirety of this film, I don't think we're supposed to ask a lot of questions. The other, though, had no such sympathies. Oh, I hate it. I hate it. Together, they joined forces to highlight the good, the bad, and the truly bizarre. This is See You Next Week in Space. Right. So this week to kick things off, Amy, I was wondering if you wanted to share your thoughts on what I might call absurdist humor. (laughs) Oh, is that it? Just my thoughts on it? Yeah. I would say, well, it really depends. It really, really depends. Like, I think some absurdist humor I can get behind. Mm-hmm. Um, I can't think of a good example. <laughs> but, like, um, yeah, I guess, okay, okay, maybe I'll take that back. I would say as a whole, it's not my favorite. Um, you know, like, Mr. Bean, hate it. Oh, God. Um, Definitely would you call that absurd? hate what it. Would you call that? Yes. I feel okay. that is in the wheelhouse of what we're talking Don't, about. Don't, like... Don't like that. In fact, that like entire actor creeps me out because of that character. <laughs> um, I do not like that. So yeah, I guess overall, I would say I'm not a fan. There could yeah. be, I could be convinced, depending on a specific scenario, to laugh at something. Did I laugh at like certain points in this movie? Sure. Was it like a genuine okay. laugh or was it like a, a laugh of like, oh my God. Of discomfort. Maybe a little bit more. The, <laughs> yeah. Maybe a little bit more the latter, but like, or just like absolute like, oh my God, for real, that's the joke we're doing. Um, yeah. But overall, yeah, I think I would say blanketly not for me. Yeah. I feel much the same. Like you mentioned Mr. Bean I would add to that things like most Monty Python. Um, Oh, yeah. Although that this although Monty Python is generally less physical humor. um, I also don't care for Mel Brooks, which is another. Okay, I was gonna say. I was gonna say sometimes Mel Brooks works for me. It depends. It really depends. There, like. But 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 point taken for sure. Like, because Mel Brooks has, um, a, like, I watched some episodes of the the new History of the World Part 2 thing that he's done. And okay. um, is that Mel Brooks or is that Carl Reiner? Now I'm, now I'm confused. Let's see. Hold on a second because. I do know that Mel Brooks was in some TV show and he played, like, someone's dad. Yeah, it is or- Mel Brooks. Yeah, it is Mel okay. Brooks. That's what I thought. Um, and, like. The T the TV series I'm I like better than the movie itself. I've attempted to watch the History of the World Part One and can't even get through that movie because it's like what about too like Young stupid. Frankenstein? 
Mm-hmm. Um, Young Frankenstein, I have better luck with. Yeah. Overall, um, I'm trying to think of some other. Well, we talked about when we were talking before about the movie Airplane, which I would say is yeah. kind of in this vein as well. Um, there's also the Naked Gun movies, which I think I've watched maybe the original Naked Gun. Um, and yeah, so I, and maybe absurdist isn't even quite this. I don't know if I'd call it zany or wacky or what, but, um, slapstick maybe. Um, yeah, it does seem though now that you're saying all of these, the ones that we're characterizing as this, this style seems to be more on the outs, if you will. Like, those are all older yeah. things that you're mentioning yeah. that were all... Yeah, no, I think... Yeah, I think it was certainly a style of the time. Um, yeah. Like, and, and by the time, I mean, like, the 70s and 80s seemed to yeah. be when this was, like, super popular or, like, how would I say, like, that this was, like kind of the mainstream appeal um, sure. in a way that, like, I'm sure stuff like this is still made. Like, people yeah. like this. Um, but I, it doesn't seem to fit kind of like, if we're going to make a movie that's a comedy for everyone, are we going to do this? And the answer seems to be right. well, and e- no. Yeah, and I feel like even, like, well, hmm. Absurdist could also, like, would that be something like, dude, where's my car? Like, that's very stupid. But it's not absurd in the quite same way that this stuff is. Yeah, I mean, I was thinking, too, like, if we're thinking as we're moving, like, closer to the present, what other Mm -hmm. kinds of movies might be, like, the heirs to this kind of humor. Yeah. And it's definitely stuff that, like, was popular when we were teenagers, like, Road Trip, American Pie. Um, oh, yeah. You know, that sort of thing maybe also kind of is yeah. in that realm because it's just some of the stuff that they do is really gross. It's like very broad, sexual, Shocking. crude humor, you know, like yeah. stuff like that. Um, but I but I still, if we're thinking about in the last 10 years or even the last 15, then I don't know anymore like where... yeah this kind of humor went. Um, yeah, it does seem to have, like, dissipated quite a bit. Like, it, maybe it only exists in stand-up comedy anymore? I'm not sure. I don't know. I mean, I'm not sad about it disappearing. But, no, uh, I do. Because <laughs> like it's not for me, the, like, but... Yeah. But it does, it does seem, like, to me, like... I don't know. And that's not just this movie alone. But when I see these kinds of comedic riffs happening in anything now, it does have like, and it even kind of happens to me when I'm watching something from the 70s or 80s. I'm like, mm-hmm. is this like a vaudeville show? Have I gone through a time <laughs> portal and I'm actually in yeah. like 1938? Like, what is this? <laughs> Like, yeah. Um, in a way that, like, for example, you know, like the Three Stooges and like the Marx Brothers mm. were similarly, you know, broad and kind of stupid and dumb. But I like that so much more. Yeah, I was gonna say. Then I, yeah, like I was gonna this. say. 
Yeah, because I think, because I, I, same in terms of, I definitely like the Three Stooges and that, like, you cannot get dumber than that. Like, or you cannot no. get more absurd, I guess, than that. Like, some of their stuff. And, like, the humor but, is, like, very much the barest of bare bones, like, in terms of, like, being appealing to everyone and. But there, I but wonder a lot what it was has about to do them with them hurting themselves. <laughs> Uh, yes, I mean absolutely. Like that. I mean, the first, the absolute. Oh, I guess that's the absurdest comedy we like. Yeah, yeah. It doesn't involve bathroom humor, and except yeah. if they're trying to fix a bathroom, and then they make a bad leak, and then right. they have to hide that by putting someone's hat over the leak. Um, but right. it doesn't involve like crude sex stuff. It doesn't involve. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so it is mostly on, bodily harm. <laughs> yes, to themselves that they actually yeah. in their. If you read their biographies, they say they did hurt themselves quite. I'm often. sure. Yeah. Um, well, on that note, hello everyone. <laughs> Welcome to see you next week in space. I am Sarah Walsh, and I'm here with my sister and co-host Amy Walsh. And Amy, why don't you tell everyone what we're talking about today? Oh man, I wish it were Three Stooges, but I know. Um, <laughs> what we are talking about today is a movie called The Man with Two Brains, which came yes. out on Sarah's birthday in 1983. I know. Happy second birthday to me. This movie came <laughs> I out. Hope to I was God you did not see this movie when you were two. I'm sure I, I know for a fact I have never seen this film. Okay, I have good. never seen it. Um and but I did have a little hurt in my heart when I realized it came out on my birthday uh, <laughs> forty years ago. Um, Oof! I know, man. Um, so the IMDb description of this movie is that a brain surgeon marries a femme fatale, causing his life to turn upside down. Things go more awry when he falls in love with a talking brain. Um. Yeah. I mean. That's. That's the I really, sum up. I, re, I really, I were about to talk about who wrote and directed and all that, but like, I am curious about people who come up with premises like this. <laughs> well, I mean, I think the thing is, is like similar to what we were talking about um, just now, like Young Frankenstein. Um, let's see it. What year did that come out? That would have been not long I say before like, this. Yeah, I feel like late seventies, but I don't know for sure. Seventy four. So actually, almost oh. ten years before. Okay, fair enough. Um, mm-hmm. but you know, like this, the sci fi spoof is not an unusual thing. Um, mm-hmm. people is that love, what you would call this a spoof of sci fi? That's what I think it's trying to be. Oh, okay. I maybe didn't get that. (laughs) Yeah, that's what I think it's trying to be. Because that's the whole thing is, like, if we think of this as happening in the same moment as, like, Airplane and um, Naked Gun, because those are all, like, late 70s, early 80s. Actually, Airplane, I think, is 1980, exactly. Um, Okay. And so it's, like, there's these growing kind of subgenres of spoofs of genres that were popular. Mm. So like Airplane mm. is the spoof of the disaster movie. Naked mm. Gun is the spoof of the 007, you know, mm. James Bond mm-hmm. movies. This can be a spoof of various sci-fi things. 
Okay, um, I guess that's fair then. So, so okay, so fine, whatever. But it's got this femme fatale <laughs> thing, which is like also kind of it's a it's a weird kind of noiry throwback sort of thing as well. Mm. Um, but I was I was disappointed because the movie begins and the credits start to roll, and what do I see? But Carl Reiner is one of the writers and direct. He directs the movie. He's also he co-wrote. Writes the movie with Steve Martin and this other guy is George Gipp. Um, and I remembered Carl Reiner from when he wrote, wrote for the Dick Van Dyke show, which oh. I like. Um, so you were disappointed so like, in him for this. <laughs> yes, I'm very disappointed in him for this. And I'm very, and disappointment is actually one of the more difficult emotions because. You know, it's the same as when your Take parents that, say, Carl Reiner. <laughs> yeah, like, well, you 98-year-old man, like, come on, I, I don't need to kick him while he's down. But, like, um, like, disappointment is, I think, one of those hard emotions, and it is, like, when your parents say, I'm not angry, I'm disappointed, <laughs> like, yeah, you know, well, where you're thing, just like, The thing about on. that phrase, well, yeah, and that phrase is, like, has become synonymous with like I want to hurt your feelings right now. <laughs> I think <laughs> like because everybody knows like you're you're full of shit. You're mad. Like yeah, okay, no. you might be disappointed too, but like no, I think that's crap because okay, you're disappointed. I guess maybe I just have a different like level of not caring about disappointing people. I don't know. Fair like, enough. No, I mean, I, I feel like that's a pointed term that people or a pointed phrase that people say in order to make someone feel guilty for something. Well, yeah, you should. Carl Reiner should feel guilty and about maybe this you movie. Sh- and, yeah, right. And I think sometimes it is apropos. I'm not saying it's like never true because I I've probably said it. <laughs> yeah. But like but I do think that it there is a twinge of like I want to make you feel guilty right now. I want to make you sad. <laughs> yeah. Well, you know cuz I mean? you like, made me sad by disappointing yeah. me. So I guess so. Mhm. So that's what happened here. Carl Reiner um, writes for the Dick Van Dyke show, which I like. Uh, he directs this movie, which I don't. Um, he <laughs> directed, but it was interesting. So he also is the one who directed The Jerk, which is oh, Steve that's Martin's more like big one. Yeah, and that's more like in the vein of this one. So that yeah. makes sense. Um, but what I was also thinking about is like, because Dick Van Dyke was a great physical comedian as well. Mm. And so I was like, oh, it makes sense that Carl Reiner would have liked Steve Martin because he's also this physical comedy guy. Um, yeah, and they're kind of built similarly. <laughs> yeah, they have a similar maybe vibe of a sort. Um, yeah. Now, intriguingly, there have been many things we've watched and talked about that doesn't really have much of an internet presence. Um, But I have never in my life seen the Wikipedia page be so blank as (laughs) I did with this. There is essentially nothing um, as far as I can tell about the production of this movie, about the casting, about... 
choices about filming, like the usual stuff I can find, especially for a movie this old, there's usually like um, a fair bit of kind of backstory of what went into it. And this has basically nothing. That's Um, very funny. The only thing I could find that is of slight interest is that in the scene that we may or may not talk about, but um, like the scene where Kathleen Turner is using her butt to get money. um, (laughs) Yep, uh, we'll talk more about that later maybe. Um, That's the only time she ever used a body double, I guess, in her career or something. Um, oh, and I wonder and that is why. It. Just because she was like, it's not worth it for this movie <laughs> to show my know. ass. I don't know. I mean, I'm sure... Um, I Like, because... Yeah, she's describing it as the only sex scene in her career where she used a dub- body double. I wouldn't even call it a sex scene because nothing happens. No. I mean, the, I bet you it is because it's like this was a comedy, silly kind of weird yeah. bit. This wasn't like actually sexy. I'm not gonna waste my body on I, this I nonsense. Yes, I mean she looks. I feel like very that's how sexy. I would feel. Yeah, she looks very sexy oh, I, throughout the movie. So I'm not sure. What no, was yes, going she did. There, but like, but I feel like, but we weren't. Yeah, I don't know. Yeah. We weren't really yeah. seeing anything. So when it became no. more overtly sexual, she was like, nah, mm, no, thank you. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> that's know. fair. So that's all we can say. Now, moving on to the cast. Um, again, this is like, I don't know, feels almost like a stage play because there aren't that many characters we need to know much about. Um, yeah. There is... Dr. Michael Hufferher, um, and that <laughs> is indeed one of the jokes. Um, I had to. I actually googled film. this movie just just to see the spelling of that yeah. name. Um, I I know I do not pronounce it the way Steve Martin pronounces it, but it is spelled H F U H R U H U. R-R. So her or her is what I would describe it as <laughs> being. So sorry. Um, now that is played by a 38-year-old Steve Martin, um, who presumably has had white hair since he had hair. I was just going to say, I cannot believe he's 38 <laughs> in this. I never, like, did the math in my head. He, that's wild. Not yeah. that he looks bad, but he just... No, he doesn't. Like, he's, as far as I know, he's only ever had white hair, so I think he was born with it. No, I mean, I'm sure there's got to be some stuff from his, like, early 30s or 20s where he's got... Yeah. Actually, I feel like I have go, some memory If you of, Google Steve Martin Young, you do see that at one time he had dark but hair. But clearly he went very white pretty young. Very early. Yeah. 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 Um... So we all know who Steve Martin is. I didn't know that he was born in Waco, Texas, um, Hmm. and then raised in the Los Angeles area. Um, And in that time, as a youth, he worked at Knott's Berry Farm. Um, Mm. Yeah, the kind of uh, crappy version of Disneyland. (laughs) Um, (laughs) I would like to go to Knott's Berry Farm. I feel like they would have good food. I think they are more of like a true amusement park rather 
than like Disneyland, where it's just like kind of a lot of different stuff going on. Yeah, um, yeah, yeah. But I and, think they actually started as a farm. I think they were literally oh, were a berry farm and it weird. sort of morphed. I think I might be wrong about that. I don't know. Well, this isn't the history anyway. of amusement park. No, we're really going to it. <laughs> um, so, and I guess I kind of knew this. He starts out as a comedy writer first. Mm-hmm. Um, and in that capacity, he did some uh, writing for a lot of different things. And then he starts going front of camera, like in the 60s. Uh, he does some appearances on the Sonny and Cher Comedy Hour. Um <laughs> He's one of the most often guest hosts, like one of the guest hosts who's appeared the most often on Saturday Night Live, um, mm-hmm. which was a bit of a surprise to me because I thought he was a cast member in Saturday Night Live, but he never well, because was. He, was. he was already yeah. famous by then. He hosted so much that I think a lot of people, that's actually a good Mandela effect. <laughs> Yeah. I feel like yeah. a lot of people remember him as a cast member, but it was just the fact that he hosted so much. So yeah, he had, think, like, established characters, so in your brain you'd be like, oh, that means he was a cast member. Right. And so he, I guess, and Alec Baldwin are, like, very close to each other in terms of number of yeah. times having guests mm-hmm. hosted SNL. Mm-hmm. Um, in terms of movies that you maybe know him from, uh, from this era, he was in The Three Amigos, Little Shop of Horrors, Dirty Watton yeah. Scoundrels. Um, as he moves into, let's say, less uh, absurdist comedi- comedy into like just general funniness and kind of main uh, protagonists, like leading man roles, we've got Parenthood and Father of the Bride. Um, mm-hmm. And I forgot about Planes, Trains, and Automobiles, but... That's, yeah, of course, that's a good another one. classic. Um, mm-hmm. And then more recently, he is in Only Murders in the Building. Um, and even super more recently, he, he playing banjo is featured on Kelly Clarkson's newest single. That's cute. I didn't know that. It's good. I, re- I listened it? to it like a couple days ago just because I, I was like, wait a minute. Why is Steve Martin featured on this Kelly Clarkson song? That's funny. Um, I love Kelly yeah. Clarkson. Yeah, it's a good one. I Let me look up what it's called, the name of that song. Come on. Is it about her divorce? It is something to do with love. I recall yeah. that. Um, oh, it's called I Hate Love featuring Steve Martin. <laughs> there you go. I think it probably is about her divorce then. Yes, one might imagine that if someone is going through a divorce that they might write a song called I Hate Love. It's fair. Um, so, yeah, give that a listen. It's pretty fun. Um, yeah, I think I will. Then we have the character named Dolores Benedict, played by a 29-year-old Kathleen Turner. Um, oh, gosh, she's 29. She was so cute I in know. this. She was beautiful in this. Um she uh, lived, I guess, like her, most of her childhood kind of all over the world because her dad was a foreign service officer um, mm. for the U.S. So she graduated high school from the American School in London. She went on to get a Bachelor in Fine Arts at University of Maryland, Baltimore County, up, up, University of Maryland, where I got my degree. Interesting. Well, my Ph.D. Um, and then she was briefly, like, 
her very first credit is on this soap opera called The Doctors. And she was on that for like about a year. And then (laughs) soon after, she gets her first movie role, which is the infamous 1981 kind of erotic thriller called Body Heat. I got to watch that because mom mentioned something about Body Heat. And then I looked it up and read the, um, whatchamacallit, the description. Description. And I was like, that sounds great. I got to watch that. (laughs) It's pretty, I think it's like pretty notorious because I think she maybe is like, if not fully nude, very like scantily clad most of the movie. And I think like this movie is meant to riff on it. Like I think she's a femme fatale in that one as well. Got it. That wasn't the um, reason I wanted to watch it was because of that, but I, th- I thought the premise sounded interesting. No, it's supposed to be, it is, like, known as, like, kind of, um, what would I say, kind of the first classic erotic thriller of, mm-hmm. like, the 80s and 90s. It, it's considered yeah. basically one of the first. Um, so, it, yeah, it must be that she's riffing off this or that they wanted her for this because that, yeah. the, she does Body Heat in 81, and then this movie is her next credit okay. in 83. That makes sense. Um, and so then in 84, she does Romancing the Stone with um, Michael Douglas. And that is actually kind of a fun movie as well. Um, if you're mm. kind of interested in a trip down memory lane or like trip down memory lane isn't quite the right word. But like, you know, when you like crave an 80s movie. Sure. It's it's very good for it's that. The, and it's very okay. in the line. It's basically like. Indiana Jones, but with a couple rather than just Indiana Jones on his own. Is it in the desert? No, it's in the jungle. Oh, I don't know if I like that. It's, I prefer... Because the like adventure movies. <laughs> yeah, fair enough. It kind of... Um, it's very much... Well, we together went to see The Lost City some time oh, ago, true. remember? Um, yeah. So it's kind yeah. of in that vein is what I okay, would Okay, I didn't. I liked that one. Yeah, so if you want, like, um, I want to put on an 80s movie and just kind of have it going and maybe I pay attention, <laughs> maybe I don't. It's a good one. Okay, um, all right. She also is in Billy Ocean's music video for the song When the Going Gets Tough, The Tough Get Going. Mm. Great song. It's a great song. If you don't know the song, you should first start there. It sounds there. familiar. Um, I didn't know that I was going to be doing so many music recommendations on this podcast about movies today, but like, you know, nonetheless, um, she voiced Jessica Rabbit and Mm. appeared in the titular role of Serial Mom. Um, she's made appearances on Friends, one of your faves. That's what, yeah, that's what I think I know her mostly from, which is sad because I know that's like... (sighs) a blip on her career and really like <laughs> kind of a weird character but um that's what I know her mostly from yeah and she's still kind of going around doing things she seems to be like her credits seem to be like every like she's consistently working she's been consistently working kind of this whole time and has a couple uh-huh. things coming down the track mm-hmm. um next we have the character Dr. Alfred Necessiter played by a 42-year-old David Warner. 
Um, now the whole like for a good piece of this, I was thinking that was Donald Sutherland. I kept saying, that oh, was Donald I can, Sutherland. I, I can see that. I can. Um, but I did I guess it up and of I was like, like, I am wrong. The voice and the tallness. Yeah. Yeah. It was like sort of the shape of his face too. Yeah. Like, I can see it. I don't it. know. I was wrong. <laughs> yeah. It's okay. Um, he, I'm sorry to say, passed away last year. Um, hmm. But he is an English actor who um, kind of had, it sounded like a sort of rough childhood um, involving like kind of one, I forget now if it was his mom or his dad, but one parent kind of like disappeared and then there was like step parents involved and so the home life was rather um, disruptive, I guess. Disappeared Um, as in like literally disappeared or disappeared as in like like just became a strange. Walked out. Yeah. Got it. Okay. Yeah. Um, but eventually, uh, he manages to get himself into the Royal Academy of Dramatic Art, uh, which a number of the people we've talked about on this podcast end up coming through there. Um, mm. In his case, he goes from that to the Royal Shakespeare Company. And in the context of working for the Royal Shakespeare Company, he and by the early 1960s, he's um, the youngest actor to play Hamlet at that time i don't know if that remains true now um he apparently though he starts in this film or sorry in this theater realm with the royal shakespeare company apparently he suffered from really bad stage fright um Hmm. and so decided that he was going to move to film because then I guess there's no audience. So um, <laughs> even though a film set has lots of people on it, I guess it feels different. Um, yeah. So it's not an, they're not the an audience in the same way. Yeah. Um, so he's, that's know. when he makes the jump sometime in the mid sixties. Um, or no, his first credit is in 1962. And then he's in a very, a wide variety of things, including work is a four-letter word. I agree with that. Um, Absolutely. Yeah. Then he does, he's in The Omen. Um, Mm. I want to say he maybe is like friends with uh, Gregory Peck in that. I can't remember precisely what he is in The Omen. Um, He's in Tron. He's in Titanic. He's in Scream 2. Um, hmm. He does quite a I lot of voice work. I can't remember who he is in Scream 2. Uh, I'm trying to remember what he... Because Scream 2... Oh, that's right. Up, he is the drama teacher in Scream 2. Oh. Because remember, yeah, she's sense. in college okay. then. Yep. And yep, he's yep, like yep. the director of the play that she's in. Okay. Yep, yep, that's yep. That's what he is. Yeah. Got it. Um... He also across, like, especially, like, kind of, like, the final decades of his life and career, um, he's, he starts doing quite a bit of voice work as well. Um, mm-hmm. And so that's him. Um, then we have the butler, and he genuinely doesn't have a name other than butler. Um, <laughs> and that is played by a 45-year-old Paul Benedict um, who I recognized straight away, but I couldn't quite figure out from where. Yeah. Um, and then I saw that, because I was like, I know he's like a really like 
famous maybe isn't quite the strong, the right word, but like a really, he's like in comedy. I've seen him in comedy things. I just can't quite place him. Um, And then when I looked at his credits, he he was in This Is Spinal Tap. So I was like, I probably recognize him from that. He also, for 10 years, played the character Harry Bentley on The Jeffersons, um, Hmm. which I don't really meaningfully recall watching, but maybe I would have run across that at some point. He also is a semi-regular character in some of the Christopher Guest stuff, specifically Wayne Guffman, and he's the not Guffman, basically. Yeah, that's what I remember him from, I think. Yeah, and then he's also in A Mighty Wind. But he's been in a bunch of stuff. Um, And then finally, there is a voice actor for a character called Anne Umelmahay. Um, (laughs) Stupid. And I I will just... See, that's the type of laughing I did in this movie. It was just like laughing to myself and then just saying like stupid. That's yeah, like, like why? Like, like this is like. this is a stupid yeah. joke. Like why are we even yeah. making this joke? Yeah. Um and uh this is actually this character is voiced by Sissy Spacek, who is 34. Oh um, wow. Yeah, I didn't know this uh until afterwards. I was like, do I recognize this voice? I couldn't tell. Um so <laughs> Sissy Spacek like uh, Steve Martin, born in Texas, though she remains in Texas. That's where she grows up. Um, but she is actually the cousin of Rip Torn, which I didn't know. Um, oh. And so when she got interested in acting, he kind of gets her set up in New York City and gets her into the actor's studio. Um, whereupon, soon after, she stars in Carrie. Um, and then things like Coal Miner's Daughter, um, and then more recently, not terribly recently now, because I think this movie is from the 90s, early 2000s, Blast <laughs> from the Past, uh, where she and Christopher yeah, Walken play recently. Brendan Fraser's <laughs> <laughs> parents. Um, more recently, 30 years ago, she was in this new movie you might have seen <laughs> called Blast from the Past. Wait, that can't be from... 30 years ago. Can it? Can uh, it really? It can't. No, because that would be 1993. 1999. Okay, well, so 24 well, years ago. <laughs> okay. Well, pretty recent. Um, yeah, very recent. And then actually more recently, she was in that like uh, Stephen King series called Castle Rock. Hmm. I never watched that. I didn't either, or I like I tried like an episode and it just wasn't like for me, and so I let it go. Um, gotcha. But these are all the people that we need to know to experience this film. Um, now, we open on the credit scene where it's um, kind of like ominous music over what I learned. I couldn't remember what this was called, so I had to look it up. Um, a plasma ball. Oh, those like uh, those spite the yeah. <laughs> I don't even yeah. know how to describe it. Well, it's like it's like this glass sphere with like a funny like central thing sticking up inside, 
And it has like little kind of like lightning bolt electricity zaps that come off it. And like when you touch it with your hands, you can create like a, yeah. like a spark from the central kind of spoke to your hand thing. Um, so the credit music is like happening over watching that. Um, and first we see the man with two brains. And then I was really excited because I see like Kathleen Turner, Carl Reiner. I was like, like in my handwritten notes, I was like putting that with like exclamation points. Like, oh, this movie's probably going to be pretty good. <laughs> like, oh no. And then you got so sad. I know. It turned out to really not be for me. But now here's a question. What are the two brains that okay. this movie refers to? Okay, well, I was pretty much the whole time thinking about that, and <laughs> I was watching it, and at one point, I, like, I don't remember if I said it out loud, like, or if I was, but I was watching this with Isaac, and he said at one point, he's like, is the two brains, like, his own brain and then his dick? <laughs> <laughs> and I was like, and I was like, oh, no. Maybe because this was before even the brain entered the movie at all. That's the oh, I see. Yeah, disembodied brain, and so I don't know is my answer. But wow, Isaac's, I Isaac's even... surmisement was <laughs> his own brain, yeah. and his dick's brain. <laughs> I mean, I don't think that's necessarily an incorrect take. Um, and I'm sad for myself that I didn't even think that. I was like, but like, what are the two brains? Because there's his brain. And then I was like, is it the brain in his head plus the brain that he loves? Is it yeah. the is it the fact that he's got a brain that he loves? And then there's like the other woman who he married. And so then are the those the two brains? Um but I was yeah, wondering I too, think... like, I was wondering too, like, at one point, if someone was gonna like switch a brain with somebody. I right. mean, that I get that sort that of does happen. Does I guess, kind but of like, happen at the end. But... but right, but I was thinking it was gonna be a little bit different, like, yeah, or that was gonna happen to him, so that would be like right. his second brain, or right. I was thinking it was more gonna be along those lines, but I don't know. But I think perhaps Isaac is right. I think based on how this movie plays out, that that is actually what it is. Is like there is the brain. Probably, because that's in, all the humor in this movie is yeah. that kind of dumb shit. Yeah, so there's the brain in his head and there's the brain, in quotation marks, in his penis. Um, and he is, <laughs> and they are in conflict most of this film. Oh, yeah, yeah, um, yeah. and, well, and we'll get to it. Like, I, this is why I was disappointed in this movie, but we'll get to it. Um, so <laughs> okay. we open up seeing Michael working feverishly in an operating room. He's talking a lot of nonsense. Um, I think there's also even the sound of a cat. And he's like, get that cat out of here. And I was like, that's not funny. Like, who, I don't, yeah. what? Like, 
Um, although it is much like the kind of humor in Airplane that I would enjoy. In this case, right. I didn't. Um, yeah. Then we're in uh, Michael's car and he's speaking to a journalist who's doing like an interview with him. Um, and this is when Michael reveals that he got into brain surgery um, not to help people, not because he thought it was like a cool challenge, but rather he just liked how slimy brains were. Um, and that the first thing I thought was like, this is a perfect setup in a sci-fi movie because we're already talking about slime. Yeah, it's true. We got to some slime <laughs> early on. Um, and I will say like, what was I going to say? Like, <sighs> slimy brain, I'm like, is that already meant to be a joke? I don't know. Like, I'm sure. Um, I don't know if it's funny, of, but. Yeah, there were a lot of things where I was like, I can tell that's supposed to be a joke. And then there were a lot of yeah. other things where I was like, is that just actual dialogue? Like, is that getting <laughs> us somewhere? I couldn't tell because like, I guess what I'll say is this is like, I think the reason that this movie and movies akin to it are tough for me is I actually get like comedy fatigue because I'm like sure. every line in this movie is just meant be to normal be a joke like yeah and I and it's not even that I don't get the jokes because they're not that fancy like they're not like they're not clever per se yeah yeah I'm like I just don't need every line out of your mouth to be a fucking joke like yeah I sure. don't Similar to why I don't care for, like, things like we've talked about, like, Les Mis or the opera. I'm like, I can take a break what from the singing. What joke is in Les Mis? <laughs> no. Oh, from the no, singing. No, I'm like, I can take a break from the singing. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And yeah I was going to say, if you think Les Mis is a joke, you... I do not. <laughs> I, I, Weird I do not think it is even entertaining enough to be funny in any way. Um... But Whoa, like shots fired, yeah. Uh, watch out, Les Mis, beloved <laughs> m musical that like millions of people adore. <laughs> I don't care for you. Um, it's but fair. yeah, that that's how I feel. Is like I was like I don't need everything to be a joke, and I also don't need everything to be like at the very outset of this movie. It's like an onslaught, like. So he's making jokes because also in this one we get the joke about his last name, Hafurahur. And then we go into Dolores' house with, I guess, her husband. It's unclear to me okay. who this guy was. Okay. Well, that's, what's, this is what's funny about this is, like, I put this movie on and, like, Isaac was doing something and then, like, this scene was happening already. And he was like, wait can you rewind it? I don't know what's happening. And I was like, well, we're two minutes in. I don't really know what's happening. Yeah. <laughs> like, yeah. I'm not really we, sure who these people are. Yeah. And we I feel start like I missed in the something. Middle. Yeah. We start in the middle of this fight that she's having with her husband where it seems like their story, like she's already in a story and in her storyline, yeah. she's killing her husband and she's finally gotten to the place where he's definitely going to die. So she's, like, revealing her dastardly plan to him. Um, yeah. And so when she does, 
they start having a physical altercation, which admittedly is kind of funny because the guy she's like married to or whatever is like quite aged and frail. And they're like, and she's like a woman in her late twenties. And so, but nonetheless, like a rather like, you know, she's quite, um, like skinny in this movie. So it's like watching these people who you don't, who don't seem particularly strong throwing each other out of windows and like (laughs) downstairs and stuff. Um, and he reveals to her that he's changed his will so oh, shit. she won't be getting any of his money. Then we come back to Michael's car where he explains to the journalist that he's got this like bobblehead Barbie doll on the dash of his car. And that's quote unquote a statue of his wife that died. <laughs> um, and while he's explaining this to the journalist, he's like staring at the doll and like not paying attention to the road. So he ends up hitting Dolores with his car. Um, mm-hmm. Then, cause she's, she's stormed off after she kills her husband into the street for some reason. Yeah. Um, she then goes flying into the air, tumbles down onto the ground. Um, he gets out of the car. Now, this to me probably was the best joke of the whole movie, and it happened in the first the, the little girl five minutes. Yes, when the little girl, yeah, who's like standing on the side of the road, and she's watching everything, and he's like, "Little girl, little girl, can you call like whatever the hell General Hospital and tell them to get OR six ready and tell them to have on call like Doctor Isidore, whoever, and do all this stuff." And so he has this like very long list of information and then he's like now say that back to me and then the little girl says the exact same thing back he to even him. says like some medical stuff to her like three yeah. cc's of the something something yeah. yeah and it's uh and it's this little girl who like is wearing i don't know it looks like she's wearing like a nightgown or something and she's got like long mm-hmm. blonde hair and she she almost has like a rather dour expression and delivery like yeah as she's doing this yeah, this was and funny. Then, that, that made me chuckle, too. And so she says the whole thing back to him. And then he's like, well, yeah, okay, get going. And then she's like, sounds like a subdural hematoma to me. And he's, <laughs> like, and he's like, it's not a subdural hematoma, and I can tell you what. But, like, that was, like, the only thing that I thought was genuinely funny in this whole yeah. movie. Because um, it was a little bit more clever. Like, I mean, yeah. it's silly, but like a little bit more, a, a little bit more, that clever maybe is the wrong word, unexpected, I guess. Yeah. So that's what I made mean, it funny. I could tell what the joke was going to, I knew the joke was going to do something as soon as he started doing this long diatribe of like what he wanted yeah. her to do. But what I wasn't quite sure is if she was going to go like, uh, okay. duh, or if it was yeah. like. Her, what they did do, which is have her say the whole thing back yeah. to him, you know. Um, anyway, they arrive at the hospital, and uh, Michael's boss doesn't want him to operate on the woman that he hit with his car because it's a conflict of interest, to which I would say I agree. Um, but Michael insists because he's like, I'm the only one who can do the necessary brain surgery that this woman needs, um, which is described as a cranial screw top procedure. 
Um, okay. And that was the. I will tell you my other thing. I. Oh, Go the on. other. Oh, the other gag I did like. I'm not gonna lie, is the. <laughs> the gag of him doing the brain surgery and then screwing their top of their heads back on. Yes. Yes. See, I was going to say <laughs> a different thing about this very same thing, which is I couldn't stand oh. the noise that they added oh. to sound like he was screwing her head, like the top of her skull back on. I didn't like, cause it sounded oh. as you would expect, like the sound of like a stone, rubbing against another stone. I guess for me, it's kind of almost like a blackboard chop, like nails on blackboard sound to me. Um, I really didn't like hearing it. And they do that sound effect a couple times. And I was like, I don't like this at all. But I will say the sight gag of it was funny because her hair is like flipping into her face as he's like turning the skull top around. Um, he, this is also, there's another set of gags where like people are watching him through an observation window and it's like people dressed as doctors, but then also people dressed like the village people as well. Oh, I didn't even notice that. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so after very, very airplane vibes like that kind of stuff. Yes, for sure. Um, after some time. Dolores wakes up and starts talking with Michael and then another thing happens which happens repeatedly in this movie that I didn't care for. And I didn't she get like, it. She like I yeah, I didn't fully get it either. She she starts like she and this and this first one I really can't remember how it happens. Like all of a sudden she's sucking his finger like erotically and yeah. I didn't get it. Like, I'm, I, okay, here's the thing. I don't want to talk about, like, sex acts with you. <laughs> but what I will I'm, say. I appreciate that about you. <laughs> but what I will say, <laughs> yeah, no problem, um, is I don't know who that's fun for. Finger sucking. Like, yes, because... <laughs> Unlike other sucking where it's more obvious who that's fun for, gross, but we're not going there. But, like, <laughs> who, who, um, my finger, no, like, am my finger being sucked? Not great. Doesn't feel I just good did to it me. to myself just to see <laughs> and if then I also, would enjoy it in Somebody's finger some doesn't way. taste good. No. I don't think someone's finger tastes good because if it's super, super clean, it's going to taste like soap. Not great. If well, it's it'll dirty, just taste like nothing. yuck. Yeah, yeah, I know, but it's just like. But I feel like hands are dirty. Like people yes. are touching shit all day long. Like I actually don't want to touch even really a lot of people's hands. <laughs> <laughs> no, it's I not, I don't get finger sucking. I don't get it. I don't. I I don't either. Like it's one of those things where like. How would I say? If it sort of happens by accident and is relatively <laughs> brief, I guess I'm fine with it. Like, um, like in the it's context like a of something just like else falls happening. Into your mouth. <laughs> <laughs> now I'm having a very weird. Now I'm having a very yeah. weird image of like fake fingers falling into my mouth like hot dogs, and that's like a different thing entirely. Um, <laughs> A hand is always out there in the world. 
almost like yeah exactly it's touching stuff it's like wiping your butt like and no I don't want to I don't want a hand in my mouth no, uh, but this becomes like their thing. Anyway. Uh, the two of them. <laughs> and I guess the other thing that I'm confused about in this movie, and there are many things, but like at least here, what I don't understand is like she's just woken up from this coma. She, I don't even, I think she learns that her husband is dead. I can't even remember about I that. Don't but I guess I don't, does she, she ever speak? <laughs> she doesn't at, speak. At no, she doesn't. She doesn't speak much, it's true. And then, like, so I guess they must notify her that her husband's dead. She knows that she... So because he told her that he got took her out of the will, she get. I guess she needs a new husband. But my question is, is, like, why is she already working on that in the hospital itself? Like, she doesn't know... That, like, she just knows this guy's a doctor. She doesn't know anything else. Like, he might... Like, doctors have money but they're not like necessarily fabulously wealthy the way I would imagine a person like her would be like the type of person that she'd be really looking for I would imagine would be fabulously wealthy but I guess um, so I guess she doesn't have like that high of standards she's like as long as he's richer than me I'll take it (laughs) yeah um then after this finger sucking incident Michael goes home and he feels conflicted about his attraction for Dolores. So he talks to his dead wife's portrait. Um, when And he's, I mean, again, this was like probably one of the other only funny, genuinely funny jokes that I liked in this movie is that he's like talking to the portrait and saying like, Oh don't yeah, you this rem- is one I liked too. And don't you remember when I read you this poem and then he starts like reciting the poem to his dead wife's portrait. And then he's like, don't worry, I'll never share this poem with anyone else. This is just for me and you. And then the immediate cut to the next scene in the hospital, he's saying the poem to Kathleen (laughs) Turner. And I was like, that's pretty funny. Like, admittedly, that's pretty funny. Um, So he reads poetry to her. She makes another weird, like, romantic advance where she grabs his belt very hard. Um, Oh, yeah. And then this is when I think she gets, like, kind of the power of speech back because she, like, acts a bit remorseful about the death of her husband. Maybe this is when she learned. Maybe that's why she, like, learns that he her husband has died. Mm. And no sooner do they, like, discuss this, they kiss. Um, so weird. Which is a very strange choice. Um after this kiss, Michael returns home and he again starts talking to his dead wife's portrait and he asks her for a sign. Like, should he not marry Dolores? Should oh, this I liked too. Her? I liked this, this bit too. <laughs> yeah, this one was a pretty good one. Because so do you want to describe, he's saying, please, any sign will do. What starts happening to the portrait? Well, the portrait, all of a sudden you hear like loud and clear someone going, no. <laughs> and the porch and the portrait's like spinning in circles and like there's wind blowing and newspapers blowing in his face and like the lights are flickering and the house is like breaking apart. Um, yeah. I did think that was kind of funny in a very dumb yeah. way. Yeah, like the the portrait is like spinning on the wall and um and I think also what's kind of funny about it is it goes on longer than you expect for a really long time. <laughs> to go and yeah and the whole 
And the whole time, yeah, as the wind is kicking up and like this wall sconces are like blowing up beside the portrait <laughs> and there's like a big crack in the wall. And then, yeah, that woman's voice just keeps being like, no, no, no. And it goes, it really is maybe like a solid 15 to 30 seconds of that. Yeah. And then, and then of course it ends and he, and he of course says again, any sign at all would be great. Like, <laughs> Um, so then of course he puts the portrait in the closet and is like, I am no longer worried about this dead wife situation. <laughs> <Done with you. laughs> um, uh, then the next scene is at the hospital. Dolores and Michael are getting married and now for whatever reason, she does not kiss him at this ceremony. So she um, gets them, she gets them with one kiss, one and only I kiss. Guess. And One then kiss she's like, Ew, I'm and a finger suck. Yeah, yeah, that's all it took. What the I hell? don't know. I mean, she Weird. is exceptionally beautiful, so maybe that's part of the reason. I, I don't guess. know. I know she is. She is beautiful, but like, okay, <laughs> I guess men are simple. I guess this is this two brain issue. Yeah, exactly. Um, so when they return to Michael's home. After the marriage and after Dolores has been released from the hospital, they drive up to this beautiful palatial home and Michael carries her over the threshold. And then there's like a kind of stupid joke about how he like wants to save this moment forever. And so then he's like stands there holding her for an unclear amount of time. Overnight is, a, is what they make it seem like. Yeah. Well, and they take like a million pictures of it because his servants take pictures yeah. of Um the next day or some amount of time later, they seem as though they've settled into their routine. Dolores is in a wheelchair recovering from her surgeries, um, and she's sitting having breakfast, watching a movie called Donovan's Brain, um, and Michael reveals that that's his favorite movie. Um, now, I didn't know this at the time, but that's a real movie. Oh, Really? Yeah, it's from 1953. It's a sci-fi movie. Maybe hmm. someday we'll watch it. It's about a mad scientist Maybe who... Or, oh, no, it's not about a mad scientist. It's about a guy who's, like, quite rich, and he, like, has his brain, um, like, preserved after an accident or something, and then the brain... Maybe that's what this movie is based crazy. on. Huh. It's certainly part... In some ways, it... It has to be connected to that. Um, yeah. But yeah, it's a, a movie from 1953 that's, that was based on a book from 1942. Um, hmm. So Michael then leaves for work, and, or at least leaves a room, and um, Dolores is staring at the hunky gardener um, working outside, when, and so she's in this wheelchair and she wants to like get closer to, to have a better look at this guy's chest. And so she gets out of the wheelchair to look out the window. When Michael comes in to find her standing up, he's so excited because it's like, oh, great. Like you're, you're healed, I guess. Um, but Dolores is like <laughs> slow, slow walking her recovery. Um, <laughs> yeah. And so... Uh, <laughs> So then 
she starts asking a lot of questions about like if this gardener is going to be around more often and if so when and will there be times when the gardener will be by himself um like a predator as uh, i mean creepily and like will yeah. there, there be times when the gardener is alone at t- the same time when i am alone and like right yeah definitely creepy yeah um michael goes to work um, when he comes back, he comes back unsurprisingly to find Dolores making out with the gardener, who we learn is named Juan. Um, <laughs> now, Juan is just like a sometime gardener man. Ramon is Michael's longtime gardener. Um, he's the one who actually made the statue of his dead wife for him. Mm. So... When Dolores, like Dolores, oh, that's what it is. So Dolores is making out with Juan. Ramon walks in to find them. So she fires Ramon that day. When Michael comes back to work, she's like, oh, I had to fire Ramon because he tried to fondle my breasts. Um, And she basically was like, and that's how he made such a good statue of your wife is he was fondling her breasts all the time as well, um, which makes Michael very upset. And she comforts him by sucking on his finger for a very long time, like a very long time. Oh, God. I'll, I'll say. Um, yuck. Yeah. I hate yeah, that. It was a yuck situation. Um, <laughs> then uh, there's, like, time is passing it's not really clear. Sometime later, Michael returns home after a day at the office, or at the hospital, I should say, and um, Dolores is in this, like, very beautiful, like, lingerie situation. And I would say Mm -hmm. Kathleen Turner is in lingerie basically this entire movie. Yes. Yes. And... She looks great. I really like it. It's quite a vibe. She does. Um, But so she's in some kind of like little negligee thing uh, in this scene and she's acting quite alluring. And so Michael thinks that this is the night where they're finally going to have sex. Um, Mm -hmm. And they kind of kiss passionately. And I think he says something like, oh, like I'm so excited. I can't wait. And then Dolores is like, yeah, I can't wait till next Thursday either. <laughs> and he's like, what? Why? And I forget precisely what she says, but basically she says that, like, she's got her period. Um, oh, I didn't remember that. And, yeah, she says something like her friend is in town or, like, something like that, like a euphemism for having her period. Oh, and, Okay. Um, but then also I was like, well, I guess clearly the joke here is that he's a doctor, but he doesn't understand that if a woman's period lasts for like, it would, I, cause Three I think weeks. they say it's Monday when they're making out and it's like Monday to Monday. And then the Thursday after that is when this period is over. It's like, that is, periods don't last well, need generally some, like, for 10 days long. <laughs> like, generally not. I, some people's could, but also it's like I need a little bit of like space between, if you know what I mean. Like, okay, it ends and then I need to like 
time. <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> I'm not sure. I mean, everyone's got different preferences about that too, I suppose. But like, I was like, wait a second, <laughs> they're making out on a Monday and she's saying she can't have sex till next Thursday because of her period. That is, unless she's having like some sort of endometrial rupture, like that is a very long, Maybe. long period to be having. Like, Or she's just like really um, trying to avoid so he, having sex with him. Of course. I mean, that's the real thing of course yeah. um now this of course is the perfect scene where he's been make sitting down making out with her and when he gets up his hat has like hung itself on his erection Ugh. um i can't i did not yeah. like this and bit. then i think also <laughs> yeah and then this was also he like stands by the window and breaks one of the panes of glass with his <laughs> erection because it's like so hard yeah um, the following Yuck. scene, the, his boss at the hospital is really worried about Michael because now it's been revealed that Michael has been married to Dolores for six weeks and they have not had sex. Um, and because of this, Michael is like actively humping the wall in his boss's office and like tonguing an x-ray that's on the wall. Oh, yeah. Um, which. Oh, yeah. 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 Not great. Um, so no. the the hospital administrator is like, what if you went on a honeymoon? Like now that she's fully well again and stuff. And you could go to Vienna where a colleague of theirs like recently went missing. And he's like, there's like now there's space for you to go if you want. And. I'm like, I would love what? European honeymoon sounds great. Like, sure, European honeymoon. But, like, to go because your coworker is just missing sounds See, less that part's weird. appealing. Um, but nonetheless, they head off to Vienna. They go. <laughs> and, and the next scene is them checking into the hotel room. We don't really need to linger on the weird sex stuff that is happening in this checking in scenario. Yeah. The most important thing to the story that we learn as they're checking in is that there is a killer roaming the streets of Vienna, murdering people in elevators. Um, Hmm. And so there's also quite a lot of gags about how you're not meant to go in the elevator in this movie or like that the elevator like doesn't work properly there's all kinds of stuff like that happening yeah. as well in like or so because they've gone on this honeymoon in part to do a bit of work the next scene is michael giving a lecture to a full lecture hall about his cranial screw top procedure um but the <laughs> the lecture doesn't work because when he removes the skull from the cadaver Do you remember what falls out of its head? No, I can't remember now. Some lemons fall out of its head. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, So the the cadaver has had its brain stolen, and Michael is very upset because he's like, now this demonstration is ruined, blah, blah, blah. And we see this kind of strange, ominous man sneaking out of the lecture hall. Back at the hotel... The weird man approaches Michael and starts insulting him and kind of negging him about his, like, neurosurgery techniques. Um, Mm -hmm. 
To which Michael responds, like, I'm the best brain guy in the world. Have a look at these newspaper clippings. And he, like, opens his coat to reveal that he's got newspaper clippings about himself in, like, the inside of his coat. Um, so then Dr. Alfred Necessiter introduces himself to Michael and saying, you're just the man I'm looking for. Um, I need your help with a brain thing. And Michael is like, say no more. I'll help with your brain thing. Um, <laughs> meanwhile, in the hotel, that we see a shot of a person in a trench coat lurking around carrying a syringe um, and a woman gets in the elevator with this person and says, oh, it's you. And that's all we see. And that reminded me of Sleepaway Camp. <laughs> oh, really? It, I mean, it, it is a kind of a lot of different horror movies have that. Yeah, that's like, like the, that's like the, that's the thing in their killer. That's the thing in Sleepaway Camp. Everybody who gets killed goes, oh, it's you. Or like, what are you <laughs> doing here? Like, that's like the, the thing, the whole movie. Yeah. Um, so, so we'll leave that to later because that will be important for later. When uh, Michael accompanies Alfred to his condo, um, we're first in a, in a hallway that looks normal. And when... Alfred opens the condo door. What does he reveal? Um, oh, I did like this too, actually. Oh, sorry. No, I did like this too. He reveals it looks like a castle. Yeah, like an old kind of like, again, this is like, there are threads of different things here. So this is kind of like a Frankenstein castle inside a normal ass apartment building. Yeah. Um, and... What we see eventually is that Alfred has, he's got his lab in his home and the lab has a whole room full of jars with brains in them. And Alfred reveals to Michael that he has been able to keep these brains alive with a special like fluid or liquid or whatever that he has created and specifically what he wants to be able to do is to transfer thoughts and memories from one brain to another um, without even opening anyone's skull. So to do kind of like a brain transplant is probably not quite the right word, but... Um, well, we've talked about that. I know. I never knew I was going to have to learn so much about brain and head transplants uh, <laughs> the prior head transplant to this podcast. I, I can't talk about the head transplant thing no, again can't. because that like, broke my mind. <laughs> Um, so he's got this whole, like, whole room of brains, and they're all in, like, kind of glowing goo liquid stuff. So we've got our liquid goo, as we like to have um, Always. in our movies. Um, and he reveals that to do the experiments he's been doing, he needs the brains to kind of, like, remain alive. And then to do that, like, the body around the brain needs to die in a specific way. Like, the brain has to be the last thing to die and he explains that the perfect way to get this outcome is by someone being injected with window cleaner into their butt <laughs> again 12 year old boys wrote this indeed and also it is like 
very kind of as well like back to the future where it's like 88 miles per hour that's the speed of light that's what gets you to time travel and it's like no it isn't there's no way like I think being injected with Windex would not be it would feel bad and it probably wouldn't be great for your health but I don't think it would kill you uh I don't I'm no doctor but I feel like it could. Being injected with Windex, I don't think that would be good for your body's, for your system. There's got to be some chemicals in there that are not supposed to be ingested. Yeah, depending on, you could experience, oh, I guess you can die. Weird. Yeah, I wouldn't want anybody to inject me with Windex. Okay. I did not think it was quite that bad um although yeah okay I mean a lot of what I'm seeing here is about like if you drink it um yeah that's the thing yeah being injected through a syringe could be different and especially like but it's going directly into your bloodstream that could not be good I wouldn't think yeah um yeah, I would say definitely don't drink it. Definitely don't do that. Um, yeah. But I guess as well, being injected with it, even in your butt, because I'm like, in your butt, it's not even directly in your bloodstream. Like, um, yeah. But nonetheless. But things, but things when you, okay, this is going to be a weird thing to say, but when you put things up your butt, you your body absorbs it quicker. Like, I know... Oh, inside, yes. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, oh, you mean like in the butt cheek? Yes. Oh, I was thinking up your butt. (laughs) No, this is like, because the whole thing is like that this, like, so, because then the whole thing is that Alfred reveals that the way he's been getting brains is because there's this elevator killer running around Vienna. Right. The elevator killer kills people by sticking them with a syringe of Windex into their butts. I didn't get that part. Okay. Yeah. I missed that about the, that so was how, okay. he's like, I, this is perfect for me because I can continue doing my research and I'm getting all these brains out of, and the, from bodies that have been like killed in the way that is specific to me. So I think the other thing that we're meant to believe for quite a lot of this movie is that Alfred is the elevator killer. Okay. Um, now, then, is real quick about Alfred is the Doctor Necessitor guy, right? Is that is that name supposed to be like a pun of some kind? It must be, but I just don't get it. Yeah, I don't get it either. Okay, I'm just curious. I thought about that. I was like, what is the joke here? And I yeah, I was trying to figure it out. Work it out. Okay, all right. I wasn't sure Um, if it was obvious and I was stupid. No, maybe we're both stupid. Maybe it's very obvious obvious and we're both stupid. Um, So Alfred then also reveals to Michael that that colleague who went missing is actually alive in a sense because Alfred has his brain. Um, Oh, God. No sooner does he say this than he gets a telephone call from the morgue saying that there's a new body that has been killed in the way that he needs. And so Alfred rushes out so he can collect the brain 
from this person. Mm-hmm. Meanwhile, Michael returns back to the hotel, and this is where he finds Dolores with a man. She's got, like, she's, again, in a beautiful, like, lingerie at outfit of some persuasion where it's, like, a yeah. negligee or, like, a teddy and, like, a lacy, like, robe over it sort of thing. And she's, like, moved, kind of shifted everything around so that her, like, butt is kind of fully exposed to this strange man. (laughs) And then Michael's very upset. He throws the man out. And she's like, he paid me $15,000 to touch my ass. And he's like, I can't accept this. And she's like, why won't you support my work? (laughs) Um, Okay, question for you. Question for you. Number one, if your if you came home and your partner this was happening and they said I am getting paid fifteen thousand dollars for someone to touch my butt, what's your reaction? Um, I guess it would somewhat depend. I guess yeah. The thing is, is if someone told me, if my partner told me. I'm thinking of getting into sex work. I'd be like, no, 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 no. Mm. But, but, no, no, no. But they, but this is the scenario: is you walk into this situation already happening. Okay, and they say this person paid me fifteen thousand dollars to touch they my say, butt. Yeah. Are you um, mad? Are you like? Are you mad I but forgiving? Are you saying give me the fifteen thousand and I'll be okay? <laughs> <laughs> I mean, I think I would be confused more than anything. Sure. Um, but yeah. then I might say something like, "And all you need to do is let this person touch your butt once." Right. I might be like, "Let them do it. Let's take the fifteen thousand dollars and then." Sure. Let's discuss this further in private. Yes. 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 Agreed. I feel the same. And I do think that I would be like a bit miffed that I wasn't brought in on it prior to it happening. But I right. feel like for I could get over it for the 15,000. Now, <laughs> what? <laughs> now, on the flip side, would you? let somebody touch your butt for 15,000. Um <laughs> I guess that's okay, first I need to see. Okay, so here's the thing. $15,000 in 1983 is worth $46,000 today. So Oh, damn. To really understand it, we have to say like $50,000 is really what oh, we're talking okay. about Oh, okay. Well, now. that definitely changes um, it. <laughs> and then I think what I would say is I would need to know some things about the person. I'm not sure the circumstances where this offer would arise. Well, um, of course not. But, I, but that's, I mean, it's a very Because, like, I guess... What I would say is, like, in this movie, I believe that she pitched this idea to this man. I don't think okay. I would ever pitch to anyone, would, touch would you want to touch my butt for $50,000? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, 
Um, <laughs> well, she has a lot of confidence, right? Like that's she very does have a lot of confidence, like, and so you know, and she knows how to pick men who are wealthy. So maybe yeah. that works for her. If someone were to say to me, "Can I touch your butt for fifty thousand dollars?" <laughs> I would have some follow-up questions like, does it need to be a bare cheek? Can it be an underwear or a pant? Oh, um, my God. If it was a pant, I, like, <laughs> I mean, I mean, that really is, like, they are desperate because, like, a pant and just, like, a, a, a touch on the butt for 50000 you, I would do that 12 times a day. Like, I'm, like... With your pants, <laughs> with your pants fully on, I would make that my full time job. Like that is like a weird. That's weird, but like with your pants on, come on, that doesn't even feel all that violating. Like if you're in charge of the situation. Yes, well, but like so, that's one question I would need answered, and then the <laughs> other question I would need answered is: Are you talking about literally just? kind of flat palm against my butt <laughs> once. Not a slap. Just like, just like no, not hold it, touch it, pull away. Like, yeah. Like maybe, maybe Is you can do it. Is there a set number of seconds? We're talking like five seconds. Yes, exactly. Yeah, yeah. And then, or are you saying you want to like Put your hand on my butt and like no. rub it around. No, 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 like, no, 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 no. These are things I would. Oh, I thought need you were gonna say something answered else. Nothing. Beforehand. Yeah. Yes, I and 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 to clear up my enthusiasm for doing it, in my mind, I've answered those questions, and it's like a five to ten second flat palm touch and nothing else. And like, now there's a, no a other, up, there is no other follow up to the follow up. No is it rubbing. both hands? Is it both hands on both cheeks, or are you just thinking mm. one by itself? I'm thinking one hand by itself. Okay. <laughs> okay. That seems less intimate. Like two hands seems much more aggressive. But like, no, just one hand, <laughs> flat palm, five to ten seconds, done. No, no other nefarious goings on of like. Nothing else is happening. Okay. Well, now I know your price. Anyway, that's so. a, it's, I mean, it's a <laughs> steep price, and I don't think anyone's paying it. But anyway, <laughs> good for her. She got $15,000 for getting her butt touched. Yeah. But he's mad and about it. And I did, it. I did, yeah, he's mad about it. I did like her joke where she's, is like, you were at your work, and this is my work. Like, um, <laughs> I mean, and then true. he does do it. Then there's another bit that I did kind of enjoy that they do ca some callbacks to. He's so angry. He's like, I'm calling it. This is a citizen's divorce. <laughs> We're done here. <laughs> um, and he storms out. Um, after he's stormed out, Dolores gets a phone call from his lawyer revealing that some distant family member has recently died and he has set to inherit quite a bit of money. Um, <laughs> back at Alfred's condo, um, Michael is waiting for Alfred to come back from the morgue and he takes out the statue slash doll of his dead wife that apparently he's dug up from somewhere again. Um, 
<laughs> and he's like missing her and he starts singing their favorite song, which was is under the bamboo tree. Um, did you recognize this song? Not really. Really? You don't remember it no. from Meet Me in St. Louis? No, not really. If you like a me like I like a oh. you and we like a both the same. Oh, yeah. Yeah, that's Maybe the song. Maybe I did. I remember singing. it more from that. Maybe I remember when you just sang it just now, it reminded me more of Meet Me in St. Louis than when they did it in the movie for some reason. Yeah. So they're singing that song. I learned, because I thought Under the Bamboo Tree was a vaguely racist or maybe fully racist song from Meet Me in St. Louis. But in fact, it's a racist song or vaguely racist song (laughs) that was real that came from the ragtime era. It was a big ragtime hit. Um, And that's why it went into that musical Meet Me in St. Louis because that's meant to be happening around the same time. Oh. Well, I mean, yeah. it's that too. But, like, it's from that era where that song would have been popular at the time. And yeah. that's why the two sisters sing it. Okay. Okay. Yeah. Interesting. Um, yeah. It's, it, there's a, actually an interesting bit of Wikipedia information about that song. But we shan't be getting into it at the moment. <laughs> um, so while uh, Michael is singing that song to himself... All of a sudden, and uh, a woman's voice starts to sing the song as well. Uh, but no one seems to be in the condo, so he starts following the voice, and he realizes that it is coming from one of the brains in Alfred's home. Ay ay ay! Indeed. Um, so they start talking. Um, this is when she. She seems to know precisely how to pronounce his weird last name. He knows how to pronounce her weird last name. This is Anne. Um, But Anne does not realize that she is a brain. Um, Mm -hmm. She doesn't really quite know where she is. Um, Michael tells her, and she is probably rightly disturbed by that information. (laughs) Um, when Alfred comes back, Michael's really excited. He's like, oh my God, something amazing has just happened. Here, listen to this. And he starts, uh, singing the song again and, and he expects, and like, Anne is singing along with him. But meanwhile, like Alfred is looking at him with this look of like, this guy I just met seems like he's crazy. Cause like, what's yeah. happening? Um, and so it's revealed that. Alfred can't hear Anne, but Anne also can't hear Alfred. So Anne only has a connection to Michael, like a mental telepathic connection. Mm-hmm. Um, there's also a, a, a plot point that like never gets developed. Right. Um, Alfred then reveals that he has put the brain of the missing colleague, Dr. Beckerman, into a gorilla. And... I was really concerned. Oh, I kind of missed that. They kept showing that 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 was going to go somewhere weird. Yeah, I was really concerned that someone was going to have sex with an ape. 
in, oh, gross. as a result of okay. how this movie was going. Um, <laughs> I can happily say Luckily, that they never didn't go happened. There. It never happened. Yeah. They wait. That is something that happens in trading places. Um, Ew, later, really? He, yeah. Yeah, that's oh, that's gross. a joke in Trading Places. Movies really need to get it together. From that same year. Movies. Trading Places is from 1983. So I guess there's something in people? the water. I don't know. I don't know. What is wrong with people in the 80s? <laughs> Hello, 80s? Pro- What's wrong with all you people? <laughs> I mean, literally, like quite a lot, obviously. Quite a lot was wrong. Yikes. Oh, my God. Um, so back at the hotel... Um, Dolores fakes a suicide attempt to draw Michael back to her because now she knows that he's rich. Um, Mm -hmm. this is just a point to say, don't do that, listeners. Do not. Yeah, it's not a funny joke. (laughs) No, don't, don't fake a suicide. Don't threaten a partner with the possibility of your death. Because they've done something that makes good. you unhappy. Like, it's a real bad or because, vibe. Or because you want to get them back because they now have money. Right. It's not good. Just in general, if you are having suicidal thoughts, seek help, part one. There's something going wrong. Yeah. Um, but definitely do not use that as, like, an emotional battering ram to anyone, but especially your partner as like, if you, if you are in trouble, sure, tell your partner, but like, don't do it so that they won't leave you or something. Yeah, not good. Um, So in this case, uh, the fake suicide attempt is her trying to like throw herself off a building, which he rescues her from. And then they finally have sex. Um, And... After they do, however, Michael hears Anne calling for help. Like, help, help, help. There's a, like, the voice of this thing is very (laughs) weird. Um, So he leaves the hotel to go back to Alfred's condo where he finds that Anne has been, like, brought into the operation room because Alfred is planning to put her into the body of the gorilla And neither she nor Michael want that. So he steals her away. Um, When he returns to the hotel, uh, much like he did with his dead wife's portrait, now he's hiding Anne's brain jar in the closet. (laughs) Um, And then he tells Dolores that he would like to take a sabbatical from the hospital and remain in Vienna for some time. So he finds uh, like a country house and they set up shop in this house. And it's not clear to me how much time passes here either. Yeah. They find that house mighty quick, I'll say. I mean, it's like within a day? I don't know. It's um, like within a couple hours. That seems yeah. Like, but. And, and they can also take over it immediately and it has furniture. So there's like quite a lot happening. Um, but I guess if it's a rental home, that would be more normal. Maybe that's what's happened. Yeah. I don't totally know. Um, but so they start having this kind of life where, um, Michael is spending all day in the study talking to Anne. Dolores overhears him. 
So when they go to bed, Dolores tries to like insert, um, or not insert, assert her power over him again by trying to have sex with him. This time, however, Michael is no longer interested in having sex with her because I guess the point is, is like he's already fallen in love with Anne. So it's like, how yeah. would I say? I guess if we're going back to this notion that the two brains are his actual brain and his penis, his penis <laughs> fell in love with Dolores, his brain mm. fell in love with Anne. Um mm. And that is further evidenced by the the following day or at some point later, Anne and Michael are on a date (laughs) on, like, the pond where they're on a boat, like, talking to each other. And, like, I think, again, he's, like, reading poetry to her. (laughs) Um, And he explains to her that he has never been aroused by a woman's mind that he's always been more kind of concerned by about their bodies. Um, but that she Gross. like meeting her and having this experience is like totally different from him for him. I mean, um, mm-hmm. and so because he's so attracted to her, I guess the attraction is mutual. He's like, I've bought some wax lips so that <laughs> we can kiss. Um, aye, now aye, aye. do you recall the shot of what Anne is quote unquote dressed in on this date? No, I don't remember. So, like, as you do for a normal movie where you like have a shot of one person on one side of the conversation and then you switch to the other side to see the other person's face on when they're talking as part of the conversation. It's mm-hmm. switching between Steve Martin looking amorous. And then there's a jar with a fake brain in it with a hat and a scarf around it. <laughs> like, and then, I mean, like, it's a little funny, he, like, just because it's it so is, stupid. It is. I mean, that was one of the other things where I was like, that is legitimately funny to see this <laughs> brain jar. It's just a with funny like, image. Yeah, because it's like a sun hat and a scarf the way a woman would wear a sun hat and a scarf, except yeah. it's a brain jar. And then it's even funnier still because he's like stuck those like weird red wax lips onto it. Okay. And Do you I was remember? just like... We used to have those. Yeah, well, it I used remember. to be like a gag of some sort. But they tasted like, gross. Like they were I wonder gross. If you can... like, I was going to say they tasted kind of like cherry or something. They were cherry, but it was wax. It tasted like you were eating a cherry yes. candle. I think, can you still get wax lips? Let's have a look. What's the point of them? I don't know. Like, I don't like, know. I remember, like, I remember us having them at some point and, like, wearing them and being like, this is so funny. But, like, what is the point? You, uh, P.S., you absolutely can get wax lips still. Um, Weird. And now they come in different colors, which is interesting. Um, hmm. But I don't get the point. I guess according to this, which I don't really, I have a hard time believing, but apparently they're kind of meant to be like candy. No, they taste like a candle. No, you have to eat them. But that's. Because the whole thing is like on the packaging for these things I'm looking at, it literally says play Maybe now. Maybe candy now. Play now, chew later. 
ick. Maybe they're not made of wax, though. Or they does it say wax? No, it's wax. Because that's gross. <laughs> that's not that's not candy. That's gross. I I mean, you're not meant to eat it. You can't eat wax. Um, but you will but just I, gnaw on it like a weird I guess squirrel so? or something. Wait that's a minute. Weird. This. Hold on a second. Oh my god, you can eat it. Oh my god, because I'm looking at a place where you can order it and it provides nutrition facts. No, no, no. What's happening? That okay, everyone's lost their damn mind. Don't eat wax. And they don't taste and it doesn't taste good. Oh god, okay. Uh, according to the customer. So you're telling reviews, me you're telling me if I melted down my candles, I could just like eat no. a candle. No, 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 no. Okay, so according to this customer review on the internet, <laughs> um, what you're supposed to do with this is you chew it up until the taste goes away, and then you just throw the wax away. Okay, that doesn't, that's not better to me. That's weird. No, that- I've, ne- I've never in my life thought of these as candy. No, I but they're being called. They had they're a, being called wax candy. That's disgusting. Oh man, this just goes back to my larger thesis statement that like candy made before 1980 was like bad, very very bad. Well, it People wasn't wax. Know what candy it was literally was. wax. Like olden days, Yikes. candy is like just it, like licorice and stuff. It's like. Yeah. You guys just didn't know what candy was. And this tasted well, slightly more sugary than other things. So you called it candy, but it actually is gross. But it, it's um, actually horrible. Yeah. Yeah. So well, that is what. In, in like olden movies, it's always like black. You're right. It yeah. is like always this yeah. weird, like black, nasty it's black. looking. It's like in the shape of a leather strap or it's um, like a hard candy. The hard or like candy rock is what I'm candy. picturing. Yeah, yeah, stuff like that. Um, anyway, Yuck. he sticks these wa- wax lips on this jar. Oh, my God. And they do make out. Um, ay, ay, ay. Now, as we would expect from the femme fatale, Dolores is watching this from the shore. <laughs> um, so when they return to the house, Dolores asks Michael about this kiss that he tries to pawn off as not really having happened. Um, They have a fight about Anne. In the midst of this fight, Michael gets a call from his lawyer about this inheritance, which then helps him realize why Dolores has started having sex with him and why why she stuck around in the first Mm -hmm. place. So this is, again, when he calls out, I call another citizen's divorce. Um... (laughs) Which, uh, yeah, that, like, there are these funny bits, but I'm like, if you could just have, like, dialed down some of the other stuff, this yeah, totally. would be so much more funny. Um, yeah, absolutely. So to get back at him, Anne, Dolores puts Anne in the oven, and Michael is eventually able to rescue her after having had a very knockdown, dragout fight with Dolores, who ends up in a puddle of mud. I won't um, say some of the stuff she says, but I couldn't believe she like says three intense 
like racial slurs in a row at one point. Yeah. Yeah, I remember that now. Like, I, yeah, I forget precisely why they came out. Because she's mad. That was, like, all I got from it. <laughs> yeah, I know. But, like, what I can't remember, was she using them at him? I think. Okay. I also can't I know they don't precisely. necessarily. I am hearing it in my head, and I obviously can't repeat any of them. But, like, yes. it was not good. <laughs> I was, I mean, I know it's the 80s. I mean, again, different time, blah, 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 but it was shocking to hear. Yeah, different time. Yeah. Yeah, for sure. Um, Yeah, because I remember thinking as well, because now I can't remember which ones she used, but I remember being like, so there's this, and then there's the weird time tracks thing happening. Yeah. Well, I didn't realize I had chosen these like weirdly problematic things. (laughs) So, like, God. So, Michael runs away with Anne in her jar to Alfred's condo. And then he's like, okay, okay. Um, I don't want to be with my wife anymore. I'm in love with Anne. Um, Can you take my brain out and then we can be together? But Alfred says that he can't do that because Anne's brain is slowly dying And so this isn't, like, being a brain indefinitely is not a solution, basically. Mm -hmm. Um, Even though he can keep them alive a certain amount of time with the fluid that he's invented, these brains need to get into a body at some point. Mm -hmm. So to save Anne's life, Michael is like, deal, I will find this female brain a female body. Um, (laughs) And that turns into a thing where, like, Michael is stalking the streets of Vienna, looking for an attractive woman. Yes, it's, I mean, I will say, at at this point, after he had said this thing of, like, I'm normally attracted to women's bodies, but in your case, I'm attracted to your mind, I was like, is this movie going to, like, actually have some sort of deeper message to it? Like, Something mm-hmm. about how men objectify women or something. Like, I'd be surprised. It kind of does. Like, it almost does, but then it kind it of wrecks almost it again. Does. <laughs> it almost does. That's the key. It almost does. Because in this scene where he's, like, out pounding the pavement looking for women, he is, like, such a creep. And they don't yeah. shy away from it. He literally starts, like, walking around, like, Quasimodo, like, rah, 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 and, like, <laughs> staring at women and, like, Pulling, like, and actually, like, stopping them to look and be like, no, and, like, all this stuff. Um, And he has decided that what he's going to do is he is going to kill some woman the way the elevator kills people, so, like, so with Windex, so that then Mm -hmm. her body, but that's the thing, is, like, her body will be dead, though. So I don't know how then Anne is supposed to transfer into it, but... I don't get anyway, it. Anyway, um, that's what he's kind of clomping around town trying to do. <laughs> Dolores is following him. I'm not in t- Oh, because she wants to kill him. So that, so she's following him. Mm-hmm. Um, meanwhile, Michael spots a very attractive woman <laughs> on the street. 
And I can't remember if he asks her to see if he asks her to see her body or if she just no, I shows think, him. I think she just opens up her coat. I'm pretty sure she just opens up her coat. Yeah, and then we get the obligatory 80s boob shot um, Mm -hmm. where it is this, like, genuinely, like, that is the type of body most men would presumably like to have. Um, Yeah. But she's got a terrible voice. And um, And I don't even, I'm not even sure, like, how it sounded. It was like, yeah, I'm from New York. Like, yeah, because well, it, it, yeah, it started, I thought that it started out, like, in that moment, it started out, like, really crazy, like, really shocking sounding, and then I yeah. felt like as there was, like, the scene with her kind of went on, like, it was still bad and, like, not a good voice, but I feel like it definitely changed <laughs> throughout the course. Sure. But it, I, it was akin to me to, like, the voice of what's-her-butt in, um... Singing in the rain, right? Like that lady who's like, and I oh can't yeah, stand him. it's like yeah, that type yeah. of yeah, of and jarring. kind of like um, a bad Fran Drescher, like even yeah. more annoying than Fran Drescher. Very high pitched and like yeah, weird, like squeaky weird accent. Yeah, yeah. Um, nonetheless, he soldiers on because he's like, I'm committed to this. I need a hot body to go with the mind of the person that I love. So he follows her up to her hotel room um, where he he does, like, seriously consider killing her, but in the end he can't do it. Mm-hmm. While he's up there, Dolores sees him through the window and goes into the hotel with the idea of following him in. Um, however, when she gets into the elevator... She recognizes whoever is in there. Um, So when Michael is leaving the hotel, um, despondent because he hasn't actually killed this woman, so presumably, like, I guess effectively he's killed Anne as a result of that. Um, Yeah. What does he find in the elevator? I'm asking you, what does he find in the elevator? Oh, he finds finds, uh, Dolores dead with Merv Griffin. Merv Griffin is standing over her, and it turns out that he is the infamous elevator killer of Vienna. Okay, now I have a question. Now okay. I have a question. Would you recognize Merv Griffin, like, if, because they, like, very clearly say, like, he's, like, Merv Griffin or something like that. Yeah. Would you have yeah. recognized him had they not said that? No. Yeah, okay. And and in general, I said to like Isaac as we were watching, I was like, this is a very dated reference. <laughs> like yes. people yes. now would have I mean, no idea who Merv Griffin was. Right. Like he absolutely at that time would have been identifiable for sure. Okay. Um, because he was a late night talk show guy. Um I always thought he was like a producer guy. I wasn't sure if he was a front of the He is guy as well. Yes, okay. he is as well. But like, so he, um, according to, I've just like looked him up on Wikipedia. Uh, like his late night career was where he often, um, oh, okay. So he was in competition uh, with Johnny Carson. Uh, okay. It, so Merv Griffin had his own late night show. Um, that ran, like, in the 60s and 70s. 
Um, and then he, and in fact, it looks like he was doing late night until about the mid eighties. Um, oh. but yes, alongside of that, he did become a producer for a lot of different game shows. Yeah, um, that's what I thought. As well. Um, but so like, even though those game shows all started coming out, like, Let's see. The first one he created was Jeopardy in 64, actually. That's like, um, yeah, wow. Yeah, I didn't realize Jeopardy was that long running. Um, but so he does Jeopardy. He does Wheel of Fortune. Um, mm-hmm. The Price is Right. He's a good billionaire. I mean, he's got to be yeah. so much money. Is he yeah. still alive? So, mm, no, I don't think so. No, probably not, right? No, he died in 2007. Yeah, died in 2007. Oh, okay. Yeah, mm-hmm. so, okay, so so that's right. So he goes from being a lounge act to being a game show host person, and then from there to talk show stuff. Um, yeah, so certainly by the time this movie came out, he was kind of at that point where, like, he's only a few years away from fully retiring himself, like, and stepping back to just producing roles. But at the time, he would have been as recognizable as I guess like a Jimmy Fallon or um okay or yeah similar type of thing um and it actually is really true because then what Merv Griffin says is that in the U.S. I'm too recognizable but in Europe no one knows me and so I can kill people here with impunity (laughs) And um, because time is of the essence, so because that's yeah. what I mean. Like, I don't think anybody outside of the U.S. would really know Jimmy Fallon. But inside the U.S., he would be very well known. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I figured. I just was like, I would never have known what he looked like. No, I wouldn't. I wouldn't either. Because, like, by the time he was, like, fading back, like, like I would have been a super small child and you would have been barely born. So yeah. there's no reason yeah. we would have ever seen him. Um, yeah. But so because time is of the essence to save Anne, um, Michael is like, well, I'm taking the body of this woman you just killed, who is my wife. Um, <laughs> and Merv Griffin... I really, you got to promise me you're going to turn yourself in. And he's like, yeah, I'll do it for sure. Um, Michael speeds over to Alfred's condo. Because he's been speeding, the police start chasing him to the condo. Um, But Michael is like, Alfred, you have to help me put Anne into Dolores' body. And so the brain transfer happens there's a lot of both um steve martin and now i'm forgetting this guy's actual name steve martin and david warner are like Mm -hmm. jumping all around this room and doing all (laughs) kinds of stupid stuff um acting nuts um and it's all part of like getting this brain transfer to happen and just as everything kind of comes to a big crux it seems as though the procedure has worked and Anne has been transferred into Dolores's body. 
But meanwhile, Michael has like shot out of the side wall of the condo into the pool. So the final kind of second to last scene is we're back at Michael's home hospital and we learn that he's been in a coma for six weeks, recovering from the various injuries he sustained. Apparently the police don't need him anymore. And the doctor is like, your wife is waiting to see you. And he's like, oh, my wife, my wife, I wonder what happened. And the reveal is that the brain transfer did take. Anne is now safely inside Dolores' body. But what happens? Well, the, the, the very end? Yes. When so, she, they, she's so now she, in. So he he gets up from his bed and he's like, I, I want to see my wife. What does he then see? That she is a little bit chubbier than she was as Kathleen Turner originally. Because right. Anne, the brain of Anne, is a compulsive eater, she says. Right. And so now I will say just a real quick caveat on this part because uh, first of all you could like so clearly see the fat suit makeup on um, Kathleen Turner like you can see face. the demarcation yeah, yeah. and secondly yeah. she wasn't that big like of they make not. it I feel like <laughs> yeah well like especially this I don't know if I'm like pulling ahead but like this ending gag is they do the whole threshold carrying her over the threshold thing again um right and it's like 10 minutes of him like struggling to pick her up and it's also very long it's a very so long, long. Yeah. so long it's like that part i was like okay are we done yet with this gag also like first of all that it's i mean it is offensive <laughs> to anybody who's not yes. like yeah. Petite. Yes. Also, if if I were in that situation, I understand it's a movie and comedy and blah, blah, blah. If I were in that situation, I'd be like, dude, stop trying. I Put me down right now. <laughs> like, if yeah. someone was struggling and like, yeah. and like, like, I'd be like, put me down right o'clock now. Do not, like, yeah. ever try yeah, to do yeah. that again. Yeah. Um, and again, yeah. she was not that large. No, she wasn't. But like, I mean, I guess there are a couple things. First of all, it's only been six weeks, so she can't have eaten that much yet, I guess. Like, she can't have put on that much weight. Um, I guess maybe down the track she would get heavier. Um, but yeah, that's the that's whole that's thing. The, idea, maybe. the other thing is that, um, like, Michael supposedly has gotten to be a better person out of this because they kiss and... He, she's like, oh, she says something that makes him about her weight. Like if he noticed and he's like, no, I didn't notice at all. Like you're beautiful. So from that, we're like, oh, Michael has gotten to be a better person, I guess. Like he's thinking he, like at the end of the day, mm -hmm. the person he loves is the person whose brain that he is attracted to. Um, now admittedly she is in his, his hot wife's body, but now the body isn't quite as hot, so I guess that's fine. So 
So if the movie had ended there, you would have said, and I don't mean you, maybe I'll say I, I would have said, oh, this is a pretty problematic and ham-fisted thing, but it still came out with a message of, like, at the end of the day, a mental connection. The brain is more important. Is important. Yeah. 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 And that f- the physical is like, you know, fleeting and not as important. And and that would have been a we- like it's not a message I would expect out of a comedy movie, but okay, okay. like fine. Um however, that got completely undermined by the final scene where they're doing a fat joke. You know, like Right. And I was like, I get it because it is the whole thing is like I get it. Steve Martin is good at physical comedy. It was yeah, cool and kind of interesting yeah, it to was watch well, him pretend that he was like struggling to carry this struggling. person and like yeah, it, yeah. But yeah, the, it was I, well like, done. But, like all his little goofy like leg moves and stuff. Yes, yeah. Physical comedy wise, like sure, fine. But like you said, it absolutely stepped on what could have been a nice. Uh, point of the movie. Right, right. And then the final bit, which I did also find funny, is like as we're watching him struggle to carry quote-unquote fat Kathleen Turner into the house, um, there's a title card that tells us that Merv Griffin absolutely never turned himself in. And it's like, (laughs) of course he didn't. And that is the end of the film. Um... So, with that in mind, let's move on to yawns and eye rolls. Um, one yawn is um, this was electrifying, and <laughs> ten yawns is this was the equivalent of a sleeping pill. What would you give it? Okay, well, it wasn't boring. I was definitely, like, awake throughout more so than I am during a lot of things that we watch for this, let's be real. (laughs) Um, Like, I knew the basic premise of the movie and, like, pretty much everything that happened. A lot of times I can't even say that. Um, But was I, like, riveted by it? No. So I think maybe I'd say, like, right in the middle, five yeah, I found this one kind of like a, a chore to watch. Um, yeah, well, I will say, I, I gave it a five, but I will say at one point I paused it, and I was pleasantly surprised there was only 30 minutes. Isaac seemed to be angry that there was still 30 <laughs> minutes. So he may feel differently than I did. Yeah, yeah. Um, but I think I agree with you in the broader sense that I would give this a five, um, and, and I think also I always, I feel like I always need to say this about movies that are old and or older is like, this probably wouldn't have felt quite so predictable in 1983 as it does sure now. So sure. You know, five in terms of eye rolls, one eye roll is what a beautiful world they've crafted um (laughs) and 10 eye rolls is like this is a complete mess of nonsense what would you give it you know I think I gotta go like 
eight or nine. It's it's pretty <laughs> nonsensical and pretty messy. Um, yeah. And just for some, and I'm I'm doing also pretty high, also for some of the like more offensive bits of it to me. Yeah, personally. for sure. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, yeah. and I know it's a different time. I understand all that, but I still found parts of it offensive. <laughs> um, yeah. So yeah, eight or nine. Yeah, I think I'm gonna go full nine because it's not like the yeah. worst thing we've ever seen, or the stupidest, or the goofiest. Um, but it's up there for sure. Um, and I would say for me, it's like the, yeah, the offensive stuff, the stuff that doesn't age well. Um, we were just talking before this about the movie, my father, the hero. So certainly I can (laughs) accept problematic things of the past in certain contexts. Um, yeah, but I guess what I would say, I mean, I will, I will Oh, sorry. Well, I would say, like, the little bit difference between, like, My Father the Hero and this is that we have a different context with My Father sure. the Hero. Sure. And, like, if we if this was a movie we used to love as kids, we'd probably be talking about this very Still differently. Still love it. Yeah. Yeah, but, for like, sure. B- but seeing it first now, you're like, ooh, <laughs> woof. <laughs> yeah, and, when, and what I would say as well is, like, going back to what we started out with at the top, which is... If the rest of the movie hadn't felt so irritating to me in terms of its comic styling, yeah. the fact that like there was never a break from jokes, like I I could have probably rolled with the punches of some of the problematic stuff a bit differently because I would have found it as a whole as a movie funnier than I found this. Yeah. Like, um, yeah. Because. Because if I if I came away from it being like, oh, that was, like, kind of fun, I could, like, I wouldn't forgive the problematic things, but I would, like, roll with them a bit better. Sure. Than what has happened here. So, yes, I, that's <laughs> yeah. why I give it a nine. Now, finally. Yeah. Did you like this and would you recommend it? Yeah, that's a big old nope and nope for me, I don't think. Like... It's not, it's it's honestly not the the most, the worst thing we've watched for this podcast. <laughs> to me, like, it wasn't the least enjoyable Correct. thing I've ever watched for yes. this. But I wouldn't, in good faith, recommend this to anyone. <laughs> I yeah. already specifically yeah. told our mom not to watch it because I knew <laughs> she would hate it. <laughs> so I would definitely, yeah. I would unrecommend it to people. <laughs> <laughs> actively don't watch this um yeah yeah I feel the same I didn't like this and I wouldn't recommend it um because even if you do like this style of humor more than you and I do I think there are better ways to get it than this yes watch airplane Um, I suggest airplane watch airplane Watch even History of the World Part 1 I would say is better than Young Frankenstein better like there's, and those movies have some problematic stuff as well, but it isn't nearly yeah. as kind of, I don't know, gross, I would say. like yeah. um, And if you're really a big Steve Martin fan and you like his like wackiness of those early days, even though it's not for me, probably watch The Jerk instead, honestly. Yeah. Like, not that and I know what that's like, about, like but like... 
I mean, it's very problematic too. <laughs> but it's actually, I think it. I don't. I'm not. I'm not positive. I don't remember. I've only watched it like a very long time ago. But I think it's quite problematic on its own. But so, I don't know. If, but yeah. But over this one, I think it might be better. Yeah, like I guess problematic wise, I'm not sure, but well, yeah, I'm not really sure. Oh, now I'm seeing even just the poster says something really weird about race that I'm not sure. It's a race thing, there's a race Um, thing in it for sure. I'm pretty sure he is a white man in a black family. I, it's yeah, it's actually don't watch that one. Actually, never mind. I would say watch Only Murders in the Building, even though I've never seen it. Yes. I would say watch Only absolutely. Murders in the Building watch that. over. <laughs> Do watch that. Do watch Father of the Bride. Do watch yeah, Father Planes, of the Bride. Trains, and Automobiles. Like, those yeah. are things that you He's will get your a, Steve Martin fix. Yes. That yes. will be less He's in plenty trouble. of stuff. Look up an yeah. old SNL skit Correct. Or do, <laughs> do the King Tut one. Do Wild and Crazy Guys. Um, yeah. That, though, all of that is better <laughs> than yes. this Agreed. movie. Oh, man. I feel like I've been kind of letting us down of late. Like, we've got kind of a bad streak. So... Um, you got to get a good one in here. I'll try. I will do my best next week. Um, <laughs> but that is it from us. I am Sarah, and I'm here with Amy, and we will see you next week in space. Thank you so much for listening to this week's episode of See You Next Week in Space. This is a production by Amy and Sarah Walsh with artwork provided by Riley Brown. If you'd like to learn more about our show, please check us out at seeyounextweekinspace.com or follow us on Instagram at seeyounextweekinspace. Until the next one.